0: Welcome to the Maritime Vision Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Rioli. In each episode, we bring you exclusive interviews with maritime professionals, industry experts, and students. Our guests come from different backgrounds, including shipping, yachting, offshore, and more. Our goal is to give you all the knowledge you need to succeed in the maritime industry. Hello everyone, welcome back to a new podcast episode and today we have a special guest with us, uh, Lena Gottberg. Maybe you know her, she's the producer of the Shipping Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the maritime industry. Uh, I've put the link in the episode description of course, but Lena is not just a podcast producer, she has many experience in within the maritime industry. So let's get started. Lena, thank you for taking part of this podcast, it's a pleasure to have you today. I would like to ask you this first question, which is, can you present yourself, talk about your background, please?
1: Thank you, paul Thank you for inviting me to your podcast. My name is Lena Gosberg. Uh, I am uh, the host and producer of the Shipping post- Podcast, as you said. I have a long background in the maritime industry. It's only in the maritime industry you can become an influencer my age, because we are a little bit old-fashioned. <laughs> we are we are trying to become more modern and I think we are getting there, slowly. Anyhow, my background is that I studied law at the university and I focused on insurance and uh, after my my exam I started to work for an insurance company. From there I was recruited into the maritime industry. So I became a maritime marine insurance broker. Worked as a marine insurance broker for 10 years. And then I realized it was a very long way to get to to the most exciting tasks in the company, being a woman, because there was a long, long queue ahead of me of men. So I made myself available to be recruited to an insurance company. So I was... um, in charge of uh, the branch office of CODA, which is Royal and Sun Alliance in Sweden, being part of a Scandinavian management team group, leadership group, for nine years. And then I became the secretary general for the Institute of Shipping Analysis, which at that time was an organization in Sweden, sharing business intelligence with the maritime industry uh, globally so it was uh, you know the order book uh, macroeconomics things like that and then I also started my own company at the same time so the idea with the Institute of Shipping Analysis was a very old idea it was 25 year olds 25 year old when I came into the company and um, I got the mission to attract more members to that organization. So a little bit of, uh, you know, trying to persuade companies and people to yeah. get into that organization, but I didn't get any budget for marketing. Yeah. Which oh. isn't that uncommon in this industry. It's looked upon as soft values to be in marketing and communication. But I started to attend conferences about online communication. Vloggers and bloggers and very mm. interesting people and people I had never met before. And they told me about podcasting. Oh. And I, as podcasting is storytelling, so is shipping. We hardly ever see the ships. So I asked, isn't there any podcast about shipping? And they said no. Hmm. And I said, that's a pity. Went back home and continued for a year and came back to the conference a year later. And I said, has anyone started a podcast about shipping? Ah, <sighs> You are nagging. Either you have to do it yourself or you better shut, shut up and don't ask again. Oh, wow. (laughs) So I decided, okay, I'll do that. And that is now eight years ago that I started the Shipping Podcast. I bought the domain of shippingpodcast.com, signed up for an online course from the USA, Podcasting School for Women. Oh, wow. And then here we are. Eight years later, 222 episodes later.
0: That, that's, that's something very important because you know that uh, maybe 80% of people uh, give up after 20 episodes, something like that, or even less. Uh, so you continue with it, which is something which is impressive actually.
1: <laughs> I am the stubborn type, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can see
0: that. Yes, because 200, uh, more than 200 now, it's uh, it's a big thing, especially in this very niche industry. Uh, it's not. We are not talking about marketing, about business podcasts We are talking about uh, shipping. You know, so that's a very uh, important point. Uh, but you start. Uh, we're going to come back with uh, podcasting. But you start in marine insurance. Um, first, why did you choose the maritime industry? It was like you did. You had ex- opportunities, or
1: I did, like most people do in our industry. I stumbled upon it. That famous banana leaf when you slip into something that you yeah. really didn't expect to do. So it was by accident. Okay. I was recruited by someone who understood my potential. <laughs> and it happened to be the maritime industry.
0: Wow. Nice. So what about your first expense as a... So you say ma- maritime insurance broker?
1: Marine insurance broker. It's the Marine. name of that. Okay. Yeah. Um. It was like i think that a marine insurance broker is buying insurance on behalf of the ship owner
0: okay.
1: i know that people would argue with me to say that i was a, i was a seller but i think being a marine insurance broker you need to together with the ship owner discuss what kind of risks do we have mm. and what risks can we carry ourselves and which risks do we want an insurance company to carry for premium? Okay. But that is my view of that.
0: Okay, interesting. But that that's a very actually uh, uh, not easy job because you need to anticipate what kind of uh, issue you can have on board. You cannot take decision and insert your, your ship because if the ship is in very bad condition with a bad crew, it can be risky for the company actually.
1: Yes. So you start by um, sort of assessing the ship owner what kind of ship owner is this uh, what uh, what um, how do how often do they dock their ships uh, what uh, crew do they have what kind of contracts for their crew do they have? where do they trade they you have to assess all of that and you have to know who is lending them money because then you are also interested in which banks are involved in this uh, risk yes. together with us and then you go into more details to see on the specific ships how have they performed Had, has there been a lot of accidents or uh, insurance claims yes. what kind of claims are they claiming do they have a maintenance policy for their ships so mm. it's not that insurance is paying for maintenance because they don't mm. so it's a lot of uh, analysis at that time i knew i knew a lot about the ship owners that was my clients and uh, i specifically had clients in the far east uh, which i was dealing with in the mornings that was the star cruise ships that the star Star Cruises started with buying two ships from Sweden and Finland and Orland, which used to be ferries and then they brought them to Singapore to rebuild them. Mm. So at that time I was traveling a lot to Singapore and then right. Kuala Lumpur when they, where they had their headquarters afterwards. And in the afternoons there were always Stena because I was in charge of the Stena uh, fleet mm. at that time. The insurance of Stella, okay All so
0: right. uh, very interesting yes yeah do, do you have anecdote in your during your expense if you have like very stressful uh, expense with insurance or or even positive uh, expense
1: i have so many experiences i am so old Paul I, can yeah, tell I, know. You, I can tell you a <laughs> <I> yeah. <laughs> it's
0: not a bad meaning but
1: <laughs> no i wanted to tell you something I, we got a question from the client in the far east if we could ensure a tiger on board the ship when it was the year of the tiger
0: Tiger, wow Yeah. Okay.
1: Fortunately I had some uh, colleagues in New York at that time who had done the same thing, there was a tiger inside the New York Stock Exchange and they had already done that so <laughs> I could wow. ask them on the other hand, no you can't ensure that it was the owner of the tiger that had to insure against if the tiger ate someone for breakfast or something.
0: <laughs> oh, such a big scenario! Wow. Okay. So basically, you can insure uh, almost everything when you yeah. okay. Everything
1: That's... is insurable at Lloyd's at a cost, usually a very high cost. Then, so oh, you okay. have to decide if you want to insure it or if you think you can live with that risk.
0: Oh, wow. So at this time in your life, uh, do you decide if you take decision to insure the, the goods or you need always to, to talk with everyone in the company? on?
1: I was insuring the ships, not the cargo. So there, there are different insurers. Okay. But I was insuring the hull, sort of the actual ship. Yes. So it's like a, a car insurance when you drive around with your car. The engine can break or you can, uh, maybe you bump into someone, but. But there is also P and I insurance, protection and indemnity, and that was not my uh, field. But I was insuring the hull. Yes, I did take my own decision. So there was always a negotiation. Ship mm. owners love to negotiate. So you need to know your who you are uh, negotiating with. That is uh,
0: important. Okay. On you're talking about ship uh, owner, what uh, about ship management company, because I worked as a yacht manager, and most of the time we take care of, uh, you know, calling the insurance company and take care of everything.
1: Yeah, usually the ship manager can take care of the insurance claims if that is in the contract between the ship owner and the ship manager. Yes. Okay.
0: Okay, it's good to know. <laughs> okay, interesting. So, um so that's your experience uh, in insurance so you said uh t- 10 years if i have good memory yeah okay yeah. and then uh later later you start decide to create your own business yeah. which you're doing right now of course yeah uh, can you talk a little bit about it please, Benna?
1: well i did uh, name my company i did name my company geeks because I do different gigs.
0: Yeah, it was funny when I I, I seen on LinkedIn, is it the name of the company? Or the, okay, it's the name of the company. Okay, nice. Why this name?
1: Because of the gigs economy. I think I, I do assigned different assignments depending on what the client wants. Sometimes it's about communication as I have sort of stepped into that role lately. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, sometimes just other things and I I know a lot of people in the maritime industry as you can understand after 222 episodes (laughs) so it's a lot of yeah. people are asking me about recruitment, they are asking me about advice on different things and so on but I also have one assignment which I have had for a long time which is um, with the city of Gothenburg where I live And this area they are they are supporting an organization that works with broadband and connectivity Mm. sounds boring but it's probably the same problems it's you know you don't see it it's only when it breaks that you are getting upset. It's the same story as with Evergiven. No one talks about shipping but until Until Evergiven is stuck.
0: That's true. (laughs)
1: It's the same with your phone. You don't think about how it works until it doesn't work. And in Gothenburg where I live we have the entire community of automotive. So Mm. all the brands of different cars, their software developers are in Gothenburg. So I get to meet them and also ericsson has their 5g mm. office developing for their global their global portfolio in Gothenburg. Okay. so i get to see them i get to listen to them i organize a lot of events for them and and i learn so much and the latest things is healthcare so mm. we have i mean you have uh, life science and then you have tech and now It's sort of matching together into health tech, which is very interesting with AI and all of that. So I learned so many new things.
0: I imagine you travel a lot. You need to...
1: Yeah, I used to, at least before the pandemic. Then I had to learn how to use these kind of uh, online tools, but I still travel. Not as much because I've been traveling a lot in my life. So
0: you you told us uh, you work for the Board member at the Swedish Maritime Administration. What is that? I have no idea.
1: Oh, <laughs> you haven't. No. So the the Maritime Administration it's the governmental run authority for uh, maritime industry in Sweden. So they take care of uh, you know pilots for instance are employed by the Maritime Administration. Also they do a lot of um, The icebreakers are under their control, Um, they are doing um, um, the charts for the sea, they are measuring how deep is it here, and so on, and Mm. making sure that they are okay. So there are a lot of, yeah, the maritime business in Sweden, which is run by the government, is run by the Swedish Maritime Administration.
0: Okay, okay. So, okay, that makes sense now. Because okay. I'm not living in, Su- in Sweden, no. so that's why I don't know. <laughs> but it's uh, very good to know.
1: It's different in different countries. Yes. So, no no worries that at all that you didn't know what it was. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, what, what what was your, your position in this uh, board member? So, what exactly is your mission? On?
1: Well, being a board member of the Swedish Maritime Administration was very... I mean, it was interesting to see, because mm. there was a lot of politically uh, political people there, sort of. Um, and I think we were three people that came from the maritime industry, one representing the port, one represent- representing cargo, uh, Volvo. <laughs> yeah. And one represent- I represented, I think, the industry and also being a woman in the maritime industry.
0: Hmm. But as a woman in the maritime industry, how do you? Is, it was uh, at the um, now maybe it's easier. I don't. I have no clue. But I mean, before it was quite complicated uh, as a woman. I imagine. Yes. Hmm.
1: That I can tell you stories about.
0: Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: <laughs> My first meeting with this uh, with this ship owner in Singapore. Uh, I wasn't allowed to sit around the table. I was the woman in the room. I sat on a chair behind the table until lunch. Then I was the guest of honor. So I was sitting next to the oldest gentleman in the room. And okay. we went back into the room where we had the meeting and I was seated behind, not around the table. That's oh. interesting. Now we're talking about early nineties.
0: Because yeah, it's uh, now actually, currently it won't, it won't be the case, hopefully. No, you
1: know? no, no. It's such a different way now. I think we're still struggling. Oh, sure. I have been a member of the um, international organization called Vista International, that is Women's International Shipping and Trading Association. It's an international organization with with uh, women in more than 55 countries still working together, trying to spread the word. And we have to realize that I mean, being a woman in Sweden, being a woman in the maritime industry in Sweden, is it's easier than being a woman in the maritime industry in Ghana or in Nigeria yeah. or in so, so there, there is difference and, and um, in an international organization you have to find common ground the, the things you can agree on and, and go for them and try to fight for more equality in the maritime industry. But there I have seen the change. On the other hand, I think young people today maybe think it's still going very slow <laughs> to have the inclusion and the diversity of the workforce.
0: Okay. Wow. But do you think in for, if you compare with other industries, the maritime industry is like very uh, like as a woman, is it more complicated than other industries or it's it's just the question of uh, it's the world mont- mentality, actually.
1: I think it depends on what you compare it to. If you compare it to a hospital, maybe it's the other way around. Mm. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, um, compare it to the IT industry, we are struggling with the same problems. There are a lot of men at the helmet. That's true. so yeah. we need to sort of have female role models and and a different way of thinking so I, i'm a i'm a change person i mm-hmm. would like the entire industry to change because we need people like you we need people young people we need the people getting interested and and coming into our industry and helping us to develop it yes
0: yes we need everyone actually every profiles actually mm that's uh, that's completely true uh, but what I like about this industry uh, it's the worldwide aspect I mean you can meet people from everywhere in the world doing the same job as you I can you can meet like uh, insurance marine insurance broker in India but uh, in Canada everywhere so that's very interesting and if I compare with my expense in yachting, for example you think this is um, not as worldwide as shipping because you think it's only in this paradise place you know French rivera Caribbean Sea. Uh, but shipping is not in the the pink places. It's like everywhere you have the big port. It's very industrial. And this aspect is very, I mean, I really like this aspect. That's why I switched to this industry. But bois gets closed. It was, <laughs> I wanted to add this point. Um, let's talk again about your podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're all curious, aren't you?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so as you, you explain, you start. Uh, you want you, you you train yourself. You you made like one training with a, a, a online training. Uh, how was your first episodes? Oh, it goes. It was easy, complicated, frustrated.
1: My first interview. I didn't own my own equipment. Oh. I had no idea. I just stumbled into it. And that was on board, the Mersk McKinney Muller the first of the E, what did they call them? The E-League? No, they didn't call them that. It was the biggest container ship ever on its Virgin journey from the Far East to Gothenburg. So when the captain left Singapore Strait, he tweeted to say, on my way to Europe, on this maiden voyage, And uh, I replied and I said, are you coming to Gothenburg? And he said, yes, I will be there in five weeks. So I replied to say, yeah, I will be here on the shore greeting you. And then I didn't have any idea how that would be, (laughs) how I would be able to do that. (laughs) But meanwhile, I was um, signing up for this course and and trying to get, uh, you know, to be a podcaster. So I just went on board with one of my friends who owned a microphone, Mm. and we started to talk. Oh, wow. And uh, Captain Nils Pedersen was very, very nice, and he showed us the entire ship. And when he told me, well, I'm used to this. It's nothing new to me. I had twenty four journalists on board when we, <laughs> oh. when we had the ship in the Far East, and we had National Geographic's for for one leg on this journey. And I wow. felt like, oh my god, <laughs> this is my first interview. But I just had a straight face and I said, very interesting. <laughs>
0: mm. Wow. Is is this episode online?
1: Yes, as every every podcaster tells you or every teacher of podcasting tells you it's the first 10 episodes. You hate them afterwards. So people usually take them down because the sound quality is so poor and you have never even tried to become an interviewer or anything like that. But I have decided to leave them because it also shows that I have, I have grown and I have learned. So yeah. the, the one with Captain Nils is still there.
0: Oh, wow. That's a very good story. And then you continue, continue on. It became like a hobby on routine as well, I imagine. So it's very beautiful.
1: Yeah. Then I bought my um, microphones and my recorder and I started to travel around. Mm. And when I went to these conferences, I brought my microphones and I asked people to take down Take time out of the conference and go somewhere else with me to, to do the podcast. And oh. that was a little bit hard, I realized, to try and get someone out of a conference because they are that network. Yes. But people did that for me. Um, but then after a while, I decided to do it the other way around. So when I traveled to a city, I booked time with all the people who I knew I wanted to meet. In that town, in their offices, so I could use their offices for recording, because mm. I realized that I hate hotel lobbies. There is so much music; in oh, you yes. don't hear it unless you sit down. So I have been a little bit allergic towards. Yeah, I imagine. You.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> well, oh, but then, I'm surprised. Hmm. I didn't imagine you doing like on the on the field. In the conference, yep. you have your microphone, you go uh, see someone say, oh, let's make a podcast episode. Wow. Yep. That... Okay.
1: And then the pandemic broke. And then I mm. realized, can I continue to be a podcaster now? Or do I have to stop this? So I discussed that with the people I know. I have I have a network in the podcasting industry as well. It turned out that those two ladies who was my teacher in that first class They are now part of Podcasting Hall of Fame in the U.S. So I've got the best teachers. (laughs) Oh, wow, yes. I asked them, how do I do this? And I have an editor nowadays because it takes such a long time to edit your podcasts. So I have an editor and we decided to do. So I do all my podcasts via Zoom. Mm. The sound quality on Zoom is very good. So you can capture the sound there. And I always record myself on my recorder. So it sounds like I'm in a studio and they are remote.
0: Okay, okay. Nice, very, very interesting. So you continue with with Zoom, but uh, do you have uh, during your podcast, I can say a path, some moments you wanted to give up? I mean, it was like, I, I don't have time. It's too complicated or never.
1: I have one who has said no his entire career, but that's our relationship. He always says no to me, and I say always no to him, so that's one.
0: <laughs> okay, okay.
1: He's a CEO. He was a CEO for one ship-owning company. Yeah, I had one episode when I was in Brussels just before the pandemic, and, and there were some real hot-shot people there, the IPs. I wanted to... Uh, to interview, so I had sneaked up at the top floor of that hotel, which was very high in Brussels, and I put up my microphones and all of that and and this gentleman came in, and he was so stressed out, but he had promised, so he did that oh. and Then I put on my headset because I, you need to have a headset when you are interviewing because you have to hear your own voice as right. well, and all I got in my headset when I put that on was a radio, radio channel. Commercials for a radio channel. And Uh I couldn't get rid of it.
0: It was something
1: wrong. So I had to excuse me and say, I'm sorry, we have to do this another time. And then I ran down to my hotel room and I called my teachers who contacted the producers of my recording and my microphones and so on. And we realized that I had somehow come into the same wavelength as the radio station probably because that hotel had sort of sneaked into the wrong wifi or using something so I was very disappointed but on the other hand that trip was from hell because when I went home my plane was struck by lightning so we had to go back and change plane so there was nothing else to (laughs) expect from that Journey. Oh,
0: wow. You should be very mad at this moment because I know that when you need to schedule a, a podcast because it doesn't work, I had one experience like that and I was like, I was depressed. I mean, everything was set up. Most of the guests are like very busy people. They don't have time. So when they have time, you need to take this time. So I, I feel what you, what you mean. Um, how do you choose your guest?
1: With my heart. Oh, (laughs) well, well, it's not that easy, but, but I know so many people. And as you might have realized, I ask everyone who they want to listen to the next. And usually people do help me then.
0: Because if they, if
1: they have an idea with someone, they want me to interview, they know them or they know how to get them. So they help me with an email and then, or an introduction. But I think, I mean, I'm a tech nerd. I like new tech. I like Mm. to learn, so in a way I do, you know, crash course for blockchain, then I interview someone talking about blockchain, and then I learn, and people learn with me.
0: Yeah, I noticed that it was very versatile, I mean, now it's like, uh, you you touch on, not, uh, like, not a uh, famous business in the maritime, it can be like very new concepts, and really interesting, yes. Mm.
1: Yes, I try to, I think, still, it's storytelling. And, and when I started, I wanted the entire world to know about shipping because I was so fed up explaining that to my friends. Mm. What, is, what is shipping and what do you do? And they didn't understand. And I had friends from all over the world. And they, my friends at home didn't understand. How can you mean? Yeah. So I started a podcast for us to promote the maritime industry to other people. And then after a while, I realized when I saw the statistics that it was downloaded in countries and places, maritime hubs around the world. So I realized, oh my God, the shipping industry is listening in to, they are eavesdropping on other people, what they are doing. So then I thought, well, maybe I should change the concept a little bit and get the new stuff that people are doing mm. to both showcase us as an industry being very exciting to young people, I hope, yeah. but also to have, yeah, the, the ones who are not the first movers to listen in, to hear, hmm, this is a way you can do it as well.
0: That's very really, uh, smart. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm. Do you have, during this shipping podcast, anecdotes uh, anecdote to share? Of course, you have a lot, but something very interesting. I mean, maybe funny or can be sad, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I have a few. I realized I had to maybe uh, get the numbers of my episodes if people want to listen to them. Um, I think that I did an interview with the two most famous online people in this industry, which is Captain Kate and Captain Thomas. They are on Instagram. So if you haven't followed them, do follow Captain Kate. She's in the cruising industry. Uh, female captain and then you have a male captain he is working for MERSC container okay. ships and I did interview them one by one before this and then I realized that Captain Thomas wanted to talk to Captain Kate but he didn't know how to get her oh. so I invited them and they started to interview each other I was just sitting there as an audience wow <laughs> <laughs>
0: Just a moderator, you know, just uh...
1: And I love them. They are oh, wow. so so nice people and they were sharing their experiences and they were they were so good. Very, I very I definitely
0: mm. need to listen to this episode.
1: Yes you do. And then also <laughs> I think when the pandemic broke and I decided to go for Zoom, first I decided I need to interview people who I will not meet in real life. So I started with the, with a the woman in the, in the port of Yokohama in Japan because I maybe I will not travel there. <laughs> yeah. And then I spoke with a friend who works for the U.S. Coast Guard in New York, and she was telling me how quiet it was in New York when no one was outside, and how they were working and how they were handling the pandemic. Yeah. And then I think. One of the most touching interviews I've done is uh, number 140, which is with Leslie Warwick. She is working for the Seafarers House in Miami and how they helped the crew on board the ships during the pandemic and all the things they had to do. They took care of people who had deceased and they had contacts with their families in their home countries, and you need to listen to that. I was crying after that interview, and I think they did such a great job, and they still do. It's a charity, and I mean, my God, listen to Leslie.
0: Okay, I have a lot to to listen now, but wow, nice story. Um, And I imagine you You had so many stories like that, Uh, um, Yeah, of course, with uh, the number of podcasts you you did. So it's impressive. And Now I want to ask you this question, which is what kind of advice can you give to uh, young people or just young professionals that want to start in the maritime industry?
1: Start to hang out where the other people are hanging out. I am telling the old people to hang out where the young people are hanging out, but I think you need to do that as well. You Mm. need to start networking. Because when you build your network, you never know when you're going to need an advice from someone or someone to help you with something. For instance, opening doors for podcast interviews or something like that. I am a networking person and I believe in that because if you get into a network with people that is uh, supporting you and helping you, but you always have to start from scratch start by just hanging out with people listening Um, every people love when you put questions to them Mm. sometimes the answer is good sometimes it's rather boring but you have to start somewhere
0: that's true well yes networking is a It's very important in the maritime industry. Um, yeah, I'm completely agree with that. It's not easy, especially when you are young, you see these senior people. They look so confident and you're like, oh, wow, I I, have no, I don't know what to say. I, I'm useless in this in this room.
1: <laughs> they were your age at one time as well. Yeah. But, but just, I mean, there are always things happening um, sort of open to everyone. Ship owners have uh, some conferences or... Free to attend and things like that, just go there and see what's happening and tell me all about what you want to change afterwards.
0: <laughs> wow, very <laughs> powerful, very powerful. Do you have something else you want to add i have uh, I'm done with all the questions in my side, but if you want to share some insight something, you are you can do it now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you. Well, I don't know what I want to share. I love talking to young people. I get a lot of feedback from young people. My podcast is downloaded in more than 200 countries now around the world. So it's about 8,000 downloads every month, which I find interesting. It's interesting to have a podcast. I mean, we can do this from our homes. yeah, And we can do whatever we want. And That's no true. one can tell us what not to do. That's true. On the other hand, there are always people who have not as good intentions as we have who can also podcast mm. so I think it's important to when we are in the time of fake news and things like that to start following people that you think have something to say or some who's standing up for something and then make your own opinion about what they're talking about and um, yeah keep listening to your podcast Polui, and to mine
0: Yes, for sure. Thank you for the little advertising. <laughs> but that's completely true. And for people who don't follow the Shipping Podcast, everything is on the des- description. Uh, because, you know, my listeners, uh, it's the beginning for me. They come from, m- most of them, it's my classmates, my teacher. Um, I start to build a little bit my network. But, uh, yeah, that's, I think, important to to, to know every, uh, other podcasts. And yours is very interesting. Most of them know, know it. Um, on I, You know, when I go to uh, to Apple Podcasts, you see all the Maritime Podcasts. You have a DNV, uh, Maritime Impact, all these podcasts. Very interesting. But I think you are the only person who have your own podcast because most, most of them, this is like corporate company uh, podcast to promote a little bit their company. But you're doing it for your own... Uh, I mean, it's your podcast. There is no uh, company name behind
1: that no. they live. There isn't. Not yet. No, I don't want to... When I started my podcast, um, I asked for sponsorship from people. And since I know so many people, it was very easy for me to get um, sponsorship for each and every episode. But I realized I I can't find the time to do promoting or selling each and every episode to all these different people because it takes too long. Yes. Um, So I'm I'm now building, trying to build a platform where a lot of big companies instead are sort of standing behind me, but not telling me who to interview and how to do this. Because okay. I think this is that is my secret source: is that I decide and and I choose what I want to talk about. Right now, I am in the middle of something I've never ever had an interest in before, and that is bottom paint.
0: Bottom paint,
1: bottom painting on a ship, oh. and anti-fouling, and how oh. that is also something in this sustainable story that we need to think about. But so, and now I know everything about painting a ship.
0: <laughs> yes, it <well>. was.
1: <laughs> so it's so different. It's very nerdy, but I think it's also very interesting because. They also need young people. They need people who is uh, studying chemistry and, yeah. and wants to get into our industry. Well,
0: as you know, we have big shortage right now uh, in the industry. We are, we are, it's very complicated to attract new people. That's why you need to give more visibility to the maritime industry because we have a big lack of it. It's 90% of the goods in the world, maritime uh, 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 shipping. That's why. Thank you, Lena. It was a pleasure having you. Uh, I spent a very good time with you. Um, I wish you all the best
1: thank you Pauloui for having me and don't hesitate to come back
0: yes thank you have a very best nice of day. luck
1: best of luck with your podcast <laughs>
0: thank you thank you very much bye 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 thank you for listening and watching this episode we are looking forward to bring you more inspiring stories from maritime professionals experts and students do not hesitate to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Your support means a lot to us, and it greatly helps in our continuous growth. We committed to bringing you more exciting episodes with passionate guests.